Hello, I'm Marvin Fant, and this is Fantline, where we're not afraid to speak truth, and it doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal, Democrat or Republican, because right always trumps over wrong. Enough said. you're blessed on this Sunday and where I'm at you know we're having some snow issues or, or really more so sleet and snow but we'll make it we'll get through now today's message is God's kingdom in society the time is now yes the time is now And I'll be coming from the book of Romans. See, God has ordered human history to operate according to a system of covenants with the husband as the head of his wife, the parents as the head of their children, elders as the head of their congregations, and the government as the head of its citizens. <clears throat> now, these heads are not to be dictatorial or to lord over those whom God has placed under their authority. Rather, they are to exercise their headship for the good of those who submit to their legitimate authority. And since God has placed governmental rules over us, we should submit to the governing authorities and recognizing them as God's agents. And still, Paul offers a radical political statement in saying that our governments stand under another authority and that authority is God. And while there is an institutional separation between church and state, there must never be a separation between God and government. And this is where, this is where people get things confused. When that term separation of church and state, <clears throat> and that is for and really, the, the, the means behind that is that that's for the state not to interfere with the church. <clears throat> but like I said, people get that flipped around and things are out of whack. And you see, the closer God is to a government and its citizens, the more ordered the society will be. The further away God is from a government and its citizens, the more chaotic the society will become. And isn't that the situation for today? It seems like we're having we're having more chaos going on, more things being erratic, more things becoming up instead of down, and down instead of up. And in light of Paul's statement that even governments are under God's authority, we see that this verse applies to individuals and governments equally. The one who resists the authority of God, whether it's in, it's a person rebelling against the government or the government rebelling, rebelling against God, is opposing God's command and will bring judgment on themselves. This is a concise definition and summary of a role of civil government, which is resist evil and promote good. 
The problem lies in defining evil and good. And much of the time, what the government promotes as good aligns with the Bible. But when it doesn't, we must do what is good before God and trust him with the political results. God in his word give us the definitive standard of what should be viewed as right and wrong. The biblical responsibility of civil government is to maintain a safe, just, righteous, and compassionately responsible environment in which freedom can flourish. And twice, Paul mentions or calls the governing authorities God's servants, which reinforces their role and this is being from uh, chapter 13, verse 4. Whenever God is removed from government, a vacuum is created in which government seeks to be God. In a democratic republic like ours, we, the citizens, get the honor of choosing many of God's servants. Thus, part of the responsibility of governing lies with us. And, and I always say, whereas many times we ourselves drop the ball when it comes to laws being passed. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example of one. Recently, I saw on, on television there in Florida, there was a woman whose father, um, he had issues with... Um, Golly, what was it? What was it? Oh man, he he. I well, I just leave it like that. He he had health issues. Okay. Well, okay. It was blood clots. He had issues with blood clots, and he went into the hospital. Now the doctors themselves were saying, "Oh, the blood clots wasn't an issue," and they kept telling the daughter this. Well, lo and behold, a few days later. The man passed away. And she is proclaiming that the doctors never heeded her warnings or suggestions about, you know, seeing if it, if it was blood clots. So she personally had an autopsy on him and it was revealed that he had a blood clot that was nine inches long. So therefore, it was ne negligent on behalf of the hospital and the doctors. But there is a law in Florida that says a person has to be, um, be it the, the, the um, in her situation, she was the daughter. So therefore, she would have had to have been 25 or under in order to file a lawsuit. Yes, that they have this on the books where you have to be 25 and under to file a lawsuit on in behalf of your parent. This woman was past 25 years old. I believe she, she's in her 30s. And that's that's what I mean by is if and, and they put these they purposely put this um, crazy, pathetic law in the books to in order to protect doctors or who, whomever. It's wrong. It's inhumane. 
But yet somehow this law got passed. Why? Because we, the citizens, those in Florida were sleeping on the job, did not know, did not care what was being passed. And then eventually it comes back to bite you in the butt. See, we the people can be servants of, to God's servants, pointing them to the truth. And if we don't, then one nation under God will become one nation under chaos, which is going on right now. Paul also mentions that um, we pay taxes to those you owe taxes to, give honor to those you owe honor to, and this is being in chapter 13, verse, verse 7. And Jesus said, give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. See, we owe government leaders our taxes. We owe them earthly honor, but both Paul and Jesus remind us that we must never give them our hearts. They cannot have our ultimate allegiance, allegiance since we are created in the image of God and not in the in image of government rulers. God is above all. All our debts should be repaid. Well, all but one. The, the debt that can never be repaid is our debt to love one another. Biblical love, as Paul showed in chapter 12, is the decision to compassionately and righteously seek the benefit and well-being of another. We owe that to others without end because that kind of love is the underlying factor in all of God's horizontal commandments. Be it, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And this is why Paul, again, echoing Jesus, calls the command to love your neighbor as yourself. The fulfillment of law. And the way Jesus put it was to say that all the law and the prophets depend on two commands. One, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And two, love your neighbor as yourself. See, we must live in light of Jesus' imminent return which is nearer than when we first believe. Doing so means we wake up from sleep, the spiritual lethargy that plagues so many people in our churches. God didn't save us just from heaven after we died, but to experience his salvation in history. To experience that salvation is to be spared from the consequences of our own sins. Too many Christians trust God enough to, make, to take them to heaven, but not enough to guide their lives daily. And ain't that the truth? Not enough to guide our lives daily. Thus, our lives look like the darkness around them filled with drunkenness and sexual impurity and quarreling and jealousies. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that Jesus is returning quickly. And when he does, both the darkness and the deeds of darkness will be judged without mercy. Hmm. Let me think about that. The darkness and the deeds of darkness will be judged without mercy. So stop being spiritually sleepy and put on the armor of light. See, 
We put on the armor of light in two ways. And I'm winding this down here. One positive and one negative. Positively, we put on the Lord Jesus, living by faith in him, studying his word, and seeking to reflect in our actions. And negatively, we don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh, which would counteract being clothed in Christ. And imagine you just put on your best suit or dress for church. And as you're walking the service, you notice a shortcut. But it's through a, a back alley and involves climbing through two dumpsters. Do you take that route? No. See, that dirty environment would follow your pristine clothes. It would, it would make you smell icky. It would, it would make you feel yucky. So therefore, put on the purity of Christ and don't climb through the dumpsters of sin. No said. Thank you for checking out Fantline. Until next time, keep Jesus first and be transformed by the renewing of your minds.